0: I know there's things you cannot tell me. But also know there's a story here, and I think everybody will hear about it. Do you think your paper has the resources to take that on? I do. Do you? The Boston priest molested kids in six different parishes over the last 30 years. The church found out about it and did nothing. We haven't committed any long-term investigative resources to the case. No, we haven't. And that's the kind of thing your team would do? Spotlight? Guys, listen. Everybody's gonna be interested in this.
1: Obviously, the church will fight us very hard.
0: trying to get some background information. I don't want you recording this in any way, shape, or form. Nothing. We understand you've settled several cases against the church. I can't discuss that. There aren't any records of any of these settlements. Nope. When you're a poor
1: kid from a poor family, and when a priest pays attention to you, it's a big deal. How do
0: you say no to God? Spotlight. Is this the tip line? You think he's got something? I want to keep digging. We need to focus on the institution. Show me that it came from the top down. They'll try to silence anyone who speaks out. You leave me alone,
1: you hear me, goddammit? Six
0: percent act on sexually. Six percent is 90. Ninety priests. If there were 90 of these bastards, people would know. Maybe they do. You're going to give me the names and the names of their victims. Are you threatening me? I was doing my job. Yeah, you and everyone else. I am here because I care. We're going to tell this story. We're going to tell it right. I can't believe me. I'm hoping we can keep this between us until we all get on the same page. Is that why we're here, to get on the same page? We've got two stories here. A story about degenerate clergy and a story about a bunch of lawyers turning child abuse into a cottage industry. Which story do you want us to write? Because we're writing one of them. I'm not crazy, they control everything. This is not just Boston, it's a whole country, it's the whole world. They knew and they let it happen. It could have been you, it could have been me, it could have been any of us. Yeah. Hello, oh, and welcome to the Film and Water Podcast, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Rob Kelly, and joining me this week to talk about the new film Spotlight is Zaki Hassan, film critic for the Huffington Post and the co host of the Movie Film Podcast. Zaki, thanks for doing the show, man.
1: Hi, Rob. Thanks so much for having me.
0: I'm very excited. I'm glad you could be here. Um, uh, As I just mentioned, uh, the movie we're going to be talking about is a brand new film, Spotlight. It's directed by Tom, Tom McCarthy and stars Mark Ruffalo, Michael Keaton, Rachel McAdams, John Slattery, Stanley Tucci... Leave Schreiber, Billy Crudup, and Byron Darcy James. Um, it is about the Boston Globe's spotlight team, the oldest continuously operating newspaper investigative unit in the United States, and their coverage of the Massachusetts Catholic sex abuse scandal, for which the Globe won the 2003 Pulitzer Prize for public service. Uh, this is a film that I've been looking forward to for a really long time, ever since I'd heard about the subject matter and the cast, and I mean, the cast is just amazing. I just thought it was an amazing group of, of actors, and I was really excited to uh, for it to come out. And the minute it popped up in my area, it's only playing in, in basically one theater in Philadelphia, but we made the special effort to go see it because um, I, I wanted to make sure I saw it in a the theater. And Zaki, uh, aside from being a film critic, uh, is the only other person I know that's seen Spotlight. <laughs> and... And you really loved it. I mean, you said it was one of your favorite films of the year. And since you see way more movies than I do, uh, I, that's high praise indeed. And so that's that's why I really wanted to have you on to talk about this movie. Uh, so, Zachy, why did you love Spotlight so much? Well,
1: you know, I think one of my one of my all time favorite genres is the old fashioned investigative journalism thriller. Uh, and there's just, you know, I, being a journalist myself, there's something about seeing. Uh, just, you know, people pounding the pavement, tracking down sources, and hoping to uncover the big story, and the story that that's, uh, you know, something for the greater good. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite films in the genre is All the President's Men. Sure. So, so when I say that this is a movie that reminds me in, in a very positive way of All the President's Men, to, for me, that's that's meant to be very high praise because I really do feel it's uh, a very proud uh, carrier of in that same lineage.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I, you know, I knew nothing about this movie going into it other than, you know what it was about, um, yeah. But I really appreciated the fact that, and and I should I should preface this. Uh, I'm going to assume that virtually anybody listening to the show has not seen this movie yet because it quote unquote goes wide later on this month. I used to know what that means. I don't know what it means anymore <laughs> because uh, you know in the old in the old days, you know, uh, a, a movie opened in you know L.A. and New York, and then a week later went wide, which meant everywhere. And now it seems to like going wide means like eight more theaters and then like two more theaters after that. So I don't even know if this is ever going to be playing, you know, in a big area. So, um, I'm going to assume most people have not seen it. And so we don't want to spoil too much at the same time. It's not specter. It's not, it's a, it's a nonfiction movie. So there's not a whole lot to spoil. All the events are real. The
1: true story is out there. Yeah. The true story
0: is out there. It's a 10 It's a 13 year old story by this point. But um, that said, we will try and keep it a little bit uh, on a macro level and not get into the nitty-gritty. But one of the things I really did appreciate about this movie is that it is just about the reporting. Yeah. Uh, You really – other than – you see, Rachel McAdams has a a husband presumably that you see Mm -hmm. once or twice. There's a reference to Mark Ruffalo character's wife who you never see. Um, But it really just focuses on the story – and I was so happy about that because that's what I wanted to see. I want to see yeah. these people crack this. I don't want to. I don't care about somebody's wife telling him that he's never home uh, right. with the kids. I don't. I don't want to see that. I want to see them solving this and 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 exposing what was going on behind the walls of the Catholic Church.
1: Yeah, and and w- what I really liked was that it it didn't just focus on the quote unquote glamorous uh, side. You know, like it, it the 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 sort of the the stuff where they get the lead and they're talking to the source. And I mean, there is plenty of that, but there's also just the waiting and the just trying to figure it out. And, you know, the, the frustration that goes into, you know, in chasing down about 50 leads that don't go anywhere before you find the one that does. Um, I think what this film really does well is illustrate how, in many ways, it's a very, very thankless job. Before you finally get to, you know, the that moment where you do crack things wide open.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's so many scenes of Mark Ruffalo's character, like you know, wading through files. I mean, this is. Uh, I mean this is kind of all this paperwork is pre computer. So it's all these yeah. massive folders and then there's this wonderful scene of him where he's got the this one folder that he finally gets his hands on and he's gotta get a copy he's gotta get copies made and the, the the clerk who was less than helpful was like, Oh the copy the copy shops closes at four And he's just like, Oh god, you know, I waited all day to get this thing and now I'm defeated by the fact <laughs> I can't get the thing Xeroxed? For Pete's sakes. Yeah. The, it, the wheels
1: of bureaucracy.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you really do get the feeling that, and as they state that, you know, Boston is a overwhelmingly Catholic town. I think they said two thirds of the residents yeah, in Boston are true. Catholic. They are not interested in this story. I mean, these guys are really pushing a rock up a hill here, uh, and and that that is something you said. I think the movie really gets across beautifully, and uh, again, the performances across the board, I thought, are just all perfect. Uh, and this is a real, true ensemble movie. I mean, I guess, ostensibly, Michael Keaton's the main character. Yeah, He seems to get the biggest arc, if, if of all of them, if if you can call it that. But it yeah. really is an ensemble piece to me in the truest sense.
1: Yeah, I think everybody really gets a chance to shine. I think that uh, Ruffalo is fantastic in this. Yeah. He he gets several just terrific acting moments, um, and without giving anything away, he has this moment where he uh, has kind of this emotional break, uh, and it's incredibly poignant, and you, you can't help but uh, understand what he's saying. Um, and and also, uh, uh, Leah Schreiber, is, who I, I love Leah Schreiber, I've loved him since, you know, got Scream, you know, mm-hmm. um, but he's he's tremendous in this and he's tremendous without having to do much. Yes, because he's incredibly understated. But there's just there's this power in his personality. And and if I can just pick up on that, I think what I really liked is that none of these characters are are caricatures. You know, you, you kind of have a, a sense if you watch enough movies, you have a sense like, oh, this guy, he's the new editor. He's going to be like this and he's this guy, and he's going to be like this, And, and none of them are sort of what you pigeonhole them to be or what you assume they will be going in.
0: Yeah, they set uh, Schreiber's, ca- who who is the, the managing editor, I think. He's the new guy gotcha. who's coming in. The new guy. They set him up as being the guy who's going to be the bean counter, you know, the guy who's going to be cutting jobs, and they, they reference that, that, that he might want to be cutting staff. And yeah, they set you up thinking he's going to be this guy, and he actually is the guy that sort of sets all this in motion. So it's like, he's actually yeah. a really good guy, but he seems unconcerned with the with seeming that way, like he, exactly. you know, and that that is a really yeah, that was a really nice treat. That they there's a couple times where this movie seems to be going down that road. I think of like heading towards a more typical plot, and then it yeah. veers out of that almost on purpose, not almost on purpose. I'm sure on purpose, and yeah. I, I that was something I really loved. That I there were different a couple times where I went, oh okay, we're gonna it's gonna become this. We're gonna find out that this guy really knew about this other thing. And then they don't yeah. do that. They don't do that. Absolutely. And I, I just thought, I really love that. And in terms of the ensemble cast, again, I'm not gonna get into the details, but there's a scene where one character reve- uh, learns something about um, a, a halfway house for some priests that have been abusing children. Yeah. And they learn that this house is right around the corner from where they live. And they have a great scene of they run out the house and they, they, they stand there. And that scene happens to, by far, the least famous cast member of the movie. Yeah. And I thought in any other movie, you would give that to the bigger star. You would right. give that to Michael Keaton, Margot. But the fact that they kind of give it to the guy who's the least known, I thought, well, that's because it probably really happened to that particular character. That's right. And I thought that, again, it's, it just keeps subverting all the cliches of movies. And I thought that's just that's just a remarkable thing. It just kept – it kept – Pleasantly surprising me on top of the fact that it ratchets up the tension. Um, yeah, and your your reference to all the President's Men. It's funny when you think about that. That movie, you know, is incredibly tense, even though you know what's going to happen. Yeah, you know, anybody who's seen all the President's Men knows what happens to Richard Nixon. <laughs> right. Uh, but yet it's still incredibly tense. And I, the same thing I thought happened here. You know what happened. You know that the Catholic Church was revealed for all of the hor- horrible things that it did. And yet it still manages to keep that tension up. And I have to say that's just got to be all credit to Tom McCarthy.
1: Yeah. And and I mean, I think what what helps is that uh, I think this is a story that, you know, is it, probably known to I don't know if it's known to the majority of people. But it, I mean, it's it's not it's not some hidden secret. You know, what I mean, the the story is definitely out there, but it's not we don't know the the details about it. And we certainly know, don't know the details of the investigation. We know the results of the investigation. And so, in other words, it's this kind of heretofore, unrevealed look into something that, yes, we know about, but we don't know the details of. And then beyond even that, I mean, the, the characters are made so—the uh, script makes them so compelling, A, and B, the performances make them come alive in, in such a way that we, we just enjoy being with these characters, I don't know about you, but I mean, I as I was watching, I was kind of like, man, I would love to be part of this team.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I love any movie with Michael Keaton. Sure. I, I mean, even movies that he's been in that are not good. Uh, I like. He's always good. Part of them, because it's got Michael Keaton in them. And when Michael Keaton's playing a good guy, I'm like, I'm all on board, because I just want to hang with that guy. You absolutely. Know? <laughs> absolutely. I'm, I'm so glad he's back in movies. You know, he seemed to just... Sort of self retire, and now that he's back in the full front, I'm I'm so happy because it's just he's just such a pleasure to watch. And him and John Slattery have a particularly good relationship. Yeah. Uh, they bounce off one another. It. And it's funny that to me, John Slattery, because of his white hair, always seems to be the older guy, and yet he's probably younger than Michael Keaton at this. That's point. right. <laughs> I mean, Michael Keaton's been in movies since the '70s for Pete's right. sake. He's been around a long time. Um, yeah. It, another thing that that I thought was interesting is you know, and I'm sure you've heard this a million times way more than I have, even that like you know Hollywood only makes two kinds of movies now. they either make Age of Ultron, right which costs three hundred million dollars and is expected to make a billion dollars worldwide, or they make the Purge, which costs right. thirty thousand dollars and is expected to make five million bucks. They don't, right. they don't make mid-level movies anymore, and this is clearly a mid-level movie. With this cast, with this level of detail, it had to be a fairly expensive proposition to make. But yet, it's not, it's not, this movie's not going to make $500 million. And there's, there's no toy line, thank God, for Spotlight. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? And yet, it's a movie for adults. I saw this movie on a Sunday at, a, at an art house, and it was all adults. And sure. they're just It seems like, wow, they still make these movies. That's fantastic.
1: Well, and I think I think uh, that sort of picks up on what you were talking about earlier, about the how movies, like, what does going wide mean anymore? I mean, I think that the release strategy uh, of this film, in that sense, has actually been very smart, because they are rolling it out slowly, 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 region by region, and they're just letting the word of mouth be the thing that lifts it, because the truth is that, I mean, it costs $20 million, and... I mean, realistically, it's going to be a push to make that back, unless they are just carried by word of mouth. I mean, when you think about it, just a few weeks ago, Steve Jobs, they 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 did very very well in limited release, mm-hmm. and then they went wide the week after, and it tanked, right? Completely. And I mean, that's like a thirty million dollar movie. They're they're going to see half that, you know. And I think, I, and I, I doubt this was planned, but I mean, th- there's a different release strategy here. Uh, and I would argue it's probably going to end up being a smarter one in the long run because it'll have a much longer life because, because of that, because you're not, uh, you know, that you're, you're letting the, the reaction of the audience be the thing that gets people into the theaters.
0: Yeah. I've yet to see a single bad review of this movie.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah me yeah. too.
0: Yeah. Um, where, what was the context in which you saw it? I know that you see a lot of things on DVD. You get a lot of screen. Did you see this at home or did you see this in the theater?
1: No, I saw it. there was a press screening uh, oh, okay. a couple of weeks ago. And uh yeah, and I, I had heard a few things a, f- a friend of mine saw it at uh, uh gosh, I want to say either Tiff or Sundance, but um uh he you know, he had he had talked it up. So I it was in the back of my mind and I mean my gosh, I was I was blown away by it, you know. I I love It's funny. I I, I said this to to my my co-host Brian on my other show, but you know, it's like I'm I'm reaching the stage in my life where I prefer the year-end movies to the big summer movies. <laughs> and so to me it's like here's a movie that's full of superheroes. Right. And,
0: <laughs> right, 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 right.
1: From from top to bottom it's it's just got a comic book cast, but none of you know, this I'm more excited to see them in this than, you know, Uh, Avengers or whatever else you know
0: Yeah that's that's true you've got Batman You've got Hulk you've got Rachel McAdams From Doctor Strange which is next Year and John Slattery's in the Iron Man Yeah that's true you can't avoid these things And you've if Sabertooth
1: Captain America
0: (laughs) I didn't even think about that you're right wow (laughs) Good lord um yeah, for, you know, anyone who pretty much who's listening to my show um, is, is not going to be familiar with people who go to press screenings. So sure. uh, would you mind explaining, like, I know what a press screening is, obviously, but what, uh, is it different than seeing a film in a theater? I mean, what's that experience like?
1: Hmm, um, so it it depends on what the movie is. So for uh, a smaller film like, like Spotlight, for example, usually the screening will be, the initial screenings will be, um during the day usually it is going to be at a theater but but it's not open to the public so um you, you basically you tell the publicist or whoever like yeah i'll be attending and and it's usually going to be just fellow uh press fellow film press that are there for a bigger movie so for example something like uh something like avengers age of ultron or whatever i mean it, the, the the press screening is also there's um they the, the they want to fill the theater up so they'll you know like if you ever hear like on the radio like oh call number 10 we'll get a right, right. free th- you know so the, the, like they fill the theater up with with people like that who win those contests or have a free pass or whatever and so uh, for those movies you'll end up watching it with the public but you, there's like a like you'll have a seat reserved for you
0: mm very nice
1: <laughs> which, which which is nice yeah so so the nice thing is you know um, just, just for, for one of these big movies you're gonna have people who are lined up like i'll give you an example actually back in 2013 um i had a screen i had two film screenings i had a screening in the morning and the evening and the morning like 11 a.m was the heat which starred um sandra bullock sandra bullock right and um and that was that was actually that wasn't even uh that was a screening because i was going to be interviewing paul feig who directed that movie um but that evening in the same theater and this was like the AMC in San Francisco that evening was going to be Man of Steel so i i was there that morning at 11am and there were people already lined up for Man of Steel that wow. night <laughs> wow you know what which is like insane right um whereas for me like the nice thing is that if it starts at say 7:30 i can roll up at 7:15 and i've got a seat
0: so yeah, that's very nice, yes. Which is,
1: that's one of the perks of my job. So, you know, like, okay, for the, for kids' movies, I get to take my boys with me, and they're kind of like, how come we don't have to line up with with other people? I'm like, well, <laughs> son, because your daddy's a special man. In his own oh, <laughs>
0: that's going to be wonderful. Um, For for a movie like Spotlight, I mean, do you, when it's over, do critics tend to sit and talk about it amongst each other, or does it depend if you know somebody and you talk, and if you don't, you don't?
1: It's a good question. Um, if I mean, for me, unfortunately, the way my schedule is, I'm just. It's usually I'm like I'm in, I, I go, and then I'm out because I'm I teach classes all over the place. Um, but if I have the time, yeah, I like to sort of loiter and chat, and and the, that's kind of a, a, a nice another perk of, of what I do is that you've got you know fellow critics, and you just it, there's just some uh, there's it's the simple pleasure of just being able to talk with you know a fellow professional in that area. I'm also lucky because a lot of my fellow critics I'm connected to on Facebook, and so um, you know we chat about this stuff all the time.
0: It must be nice to see something that is, is like Spotlight seems very assured, very be- from the very beginning. Yes, uh, and it must. I I've seen a couple, just a couple of movies in the last, in the last few years where. Very early on, I realized, oh, this we're settling into something really good, and I can just relax and enjoy it. And I felt that way about Spotlight. 20 minutes in, I was like, okay, this movie clearly knows where it's going. It knows what it wants to tell me, and I can just sit here and enjoy the – quote-unquote, enjoy the tale. Uh, I I don't have any concerns anymore. This movie clearly knows where it's going. And that's got to be – for someone who sees as many films as you do and probably sees as as many terrible movies as you probably have to see – that There's must be, a few. <laughs> yeah, that must be kind of an enjoyable feeling.
1: Yeah, well, and and that goes to what I was saying earlier. You know, definitely that that the transition from summer movies to fall movies um, is it carries with that. There's a little bit of that. Okay, now we're going to get into some of the uh, the deeper stuff, the heavier stuff. Not, and we, I don't mean to bag on summer movies. I mean, I like summer movies just fine. But definitely, I mean, it's just uh, it it feeds a different uh, palette, you know. Sure.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, there was something about uh, Spotlight 2 – well, a couple of the things I wanted to mention, uh, mm-hmm. again, when the get details, is there is um, – one of the frustrating parts of that movie is, is the, there's a whole sort of side angle, a whole part of this I didn't know anything about, about that there was a, a – basically a, a sub-industry of lawyers that make their money off of handling these cases off the books. Yeah. And they get a cu- – which is – just makes your skin crawl. And it's vile. And part of the idea here is – and I uh, – after I saw this movie, uh, I spoke with someone who uh, has uh, suffered abuse similar to what was described in the movie. And they expressed to me that a lot – it has nothing to do – at least for them and for a lot of people that have been through this – it has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with getting any sort of remuneration. It's the idea of being – Vindicated. Right. Of being able to have other people believe you because so much of this movie focuses about how the people who were abused were just dismissed. Yeah. And I think this movie really gets across that palpable sense of, more than anything else, of just frustration that these people suffered at the hands of these priests and then were just. Pushed off to the corner by the legal system, by the Catholic Church, by every powerful and even by the media, yeah. this movie does not. The media itself does not escape this movie's glare. And there was to, to the person I spoke to, found it very powerful that this movie relayed that idea, that uh, you know, finally these people have got got a chance to speak up. You know, and and be counted and be recognized for what happened to them, uh, as opposed to said just being basically told to go away. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's an extraordinary thing. And then one other little thing, a very minor thing, and I don't know if if you saw this uh, or if or if you had the same reaction to it that, that I did. But you know the scene where it's like a it's like a I think it's after some some close ups and then it cuts to an establishing shot and you see an AOL billboard. Right. That got a big laugh in my theater uh, (laughs) because it was AOL. I I think most people assume because it was AOL because it just seemed like an old, you know, old timey reference. But um, did you happen to see the movie um, Call Me Lucky, the Bobcat Goldthwait documentary? I did not. Because that's the documentary about Barry Crimmins, the comedian who was abused as a child. And he talks about in his life he was one of the he was one of the early people that saw that in the early days of AOL AOL was a haven for pedophiles it was it was and he managed to testify in in front of congress and got AOL uh to recognize and admit that their airwaves were being used in this manner and i have to wonder if that billboard wasn't a sly reference to that because that that it just it just jumped out at me so much. I'm like, why have all the? Because clearly that billboard's not there anymore. It was digitally put in to to, to reflect 2002. But I have to think yeah. of all the products to put there. You put AOL, and I, I I I you know I will never have a chance to talk to Tom McCarthy, but I would love to know because that just seemed so glaring to me that they that that billboard was there. Um. So yeah, I, I, as as said, as we as we, you know, talked about at the top of the episode, uh, you know. Zachy was the first person that I saw that saw this movie, and he loved it. And I was super excited about it. And I was like, "Oh, I'm 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 happy to hear that because I'm really excited going into this movie, and i hope it's as, as good as it as I want it to be." And it really was. And so, I certainly endorse it to anyone that, that wants to see just a good drama about a real life issue, a really important issue. I mean, it's an advocacy movie in an age where we don't really make advocacy movies anymore. Okay. So um, I thought it was a great film. Is, is there anything else you wanted to mention about Spotlight before we wrap up? I just, I mean, you know, the, the truth is that, uh, you know,
1: an, an Avengers or Fast and Furious, they're going to make their money, uh, and that's fine. Uh, however, these type of movies, they really need support. And if you want any more of these movies, to seek them out, find them, show, like make your voice heard at the box office because that's the only, that's the only vote that matters if you are paying to see it. And so I really want to, you know, encourage those of you listening to seek, seek this out. That, that it, you you will uh, enjoy it. You know, I'm really wishing
0: you enjoy it. Ian and Rob, we're both recommending it. Seek it out. Well, excellent. Uh, Like I said, so everybody, go see Spotlight if you can. If it's playing in your in your theater in your neighborhood, go see it. Um, So yeah, that's pretty much going to do it for Spotlight. Zachy, I really appreciate you coming on the show, man. I I enjoy your writing and I like your podcast, the movie film podcast. So I really appreciate you coming coming on this show to talk about Spotlight. It's uh, it was a real honor for me.
1: Oh, uh, the the honor is all mine. It's a pleasure, and uh, let's definitely do this again sometime.
0: Absolutely. So everybody. Like I said, go see Spotlight, and uh, thank you so much for listening. Hope you get back for the next episode. Until then, that's a wrap.